just this past week, I, uh, someone called me on their cell phone, but I knew that they were, and it's no one here, so you don't, have, don't worry, it's not you. They called me on their cell phone, but they, they were calling from home. And so when they dialed me, evidently they had received a phone call on their landline. So what happened was they forgot they had called me. So I'm listening on to their phone call to someone else, and it took me a while to figure out they're not talking with me. They were talking to somebody else. So um, they actually said, well, well, how are you doing? And I said, man, I'm doing great. And, and I realized, you know, he wasn't even listening to what I'm saying, so I, I eavesdropped on their phone call for just a little while, uh, about 15 minutes. And, uh, <clears throat> but, but seriously, though, so I eavesdropped on that conversation just for a minute and finally figured out they didn't want anything to do with me, and so I hung up. Well, <clears throat> in today's text, and I forgot my Bible. Randy, would you mind handing me my Bible? I, I'd appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> In, in our text today, we're given a privilege, actually, thank you, brother, appreciate that. We are given the privilege of, of eavesdropping on a conversation between Jesus and God the Father. Think about how privileged we are. Jesus is talking to his Father, and in, in only the way that, that God designed and wanted to, he's allowed us the privilege of listening to that. All right, today I'm going to streamline this message, and I want to just give you four words to remember. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about these words as it relates to uh, the first advent. The words are mission, peace, gift, and glory. Mission, peace, gift, and and glory. We're in John chapter 17, so if you would turn in your Bibles to John chapter 17, and if you didn't bring your Bible or you didn't bring your tablet, there are some Bibles located in your pews today for your use. John chapter 17, beginning in verse 1, if you would please stand in honor of God's Word, I would appreciate that. John 17, and I will read verses 1 through 5. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with, here's the key, with the glory which I had with you before the world ever was. Lord, may May today I do justice to this text. God, may we, Lord, lean in to this message. May we be comforted, Lord, in some cases challenged, in other cases, um, Lord, even chastised. But Lord, most of all, may Christ be exalted today. Thank you for giving us this opportunity, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So if you would be seated, I said that this text will at least remind us uh, of the first advent in three different, uh, four different words. And the first word there is mission. 
mission. In verse 4, Jesus praises to the Father. He says, I glorified you on earth. And this is what he says, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So I have glorified you on this earth. How so? Because I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Now, most of us know the story of Zacchaeus, right? And we teach our children the little song, Zacchaeus, what was it, Zach? Zacchaeus was what? You know that song. Everybody, well, most old folks know that song because it's like really weird what we teach our kids. We do it this way. Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Have you ever seen a man that tall? <clears throat> but, but that's what we do. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Lord came passing by, he looked up in the tree, and he said... You come down, for I'm staying with your house today. It's not so much, listen, him climbing in the tree, this is really good. Him climbing in the tree wasn't so much that Zacchaeus could see the Lord, but because the Lord could see Zacchaeus. Because the Lord was on a mission. And at the end of that story where the Lord meets with Zacchaeus in his home, it says that Jesus says, Today salvation has come to Zacchaeus too. Listen, for the Son of Man came to seek Actively seek and to save the lost. There it is, folks. There's the mission. The work that Jesus came to complete was the work of seeking and saving souls. Like a commissioned platoon of Marines on a search and destroy mission, Jesus was on a search and save mission. That's why he came. Jesus did not come primarily to show us how to live, although he did that. He did not come primarily to show us how to love, although he did that. He did not come to primarily to teach us about caring for widows and orphans, although he did that. Jesus came to complete a mission, to seek and save that which was lost, and praise God that he did. John chapter 19, verse 30. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and it's the only place in all the Gospels that Jesus, these words are recorded. He says, and he cries out, we're led to believe, it is finished. It is finished. What is finished? His mission on earth is finished. And this is kind of cool. The, the verb tense of that word, it is finished. The verb is, is teleo. It means to complete. It means to finish. But the verb tense, is, it's the perfect tense. And that means this, that the focus is not on what happened right then on the, in the moment. The focus is on the state of being that results from whatever happened. So when Jesus says, it is finished, he is saying that the status quo not only has changed now, but has changed forever. The work that my Father sent me to do, I did it. And for, for your sake and for my sake, the fact that it was finished continues on until this day. The effects will last forever. So, so Jesus is on a mission. We see that uh, in this first text or, or the first point we make here. But the second word I wanted to focus on is, is on peace. Peace. Christmas is about peace on earth. We've heard that, right? We hear that song all the time, peace on earth. Why is it there peace on earth? If, if the fact that Jesus came the first time to establish peace on this earth, why are there wars in, in, in the Middle East? Why are there wars everywhere? Why, are, why is the right upside down? Why is the good bad and the bad good? 
Well, the kind of peace that he's talking about is not peaceful, easy feeling. Back in the beginning in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, God says to Adam, You may surely eat of this tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you may not eat. Listen, for the day that you eat it, you will surely die. And that very day that Adam took that fruit and Eve took that fruit and ate that fruit, they began to decay. They began to die. Death entered into this world. And not only physical death, but spiritual death. Spiritual death being defined as being separated from God. Romans 5.10 says this. For if while we were, listen, enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by His life. That's what he says there. I want you to focus on the first part of that verse. We were enemies. We were at enmity with God. That means... The natural man, when we're born into this world, we are not on God's team. We like to think that, right? We like to think the fatherhood of, of God, the universal brotherhood of man, everything's hunky-dunky-dory good, but it's not. We're at enemies with God. There's disharmony between us. God is holy, and we're sinners, and we are His enemies. But look what he says in our text today in verses 2 and 3. Jesus says, since you have given Him, He's speaking of Himself, since you have given Him all authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given Him. Listen, and this is eternal life that they might know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So this word know means to have a harmonious relationship with someone. That's why he came. So Jesus is saying, here's the mission. The mission is to seek and save that which is lost. And what's the function? What happens is a person who does not know God intimately will come to know God intimately. Those who were fighting against God, spitting in God's face, running away from God, which is all of us, have now been reconciled to God. Verse 14 of Luke chapter 2 says this, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom He is real pleased. Y'all, the world can sing about uh, peaceful, easy feeling. You know, that's, that's a classic song by the Eagles, right? And we all like that. Got a peaceful, easy feeling. But that's not what, what this kind of peace is all about. It's not about a feeling. It's actually about a relationship being restored to God. It's an objective peace with eternal harmony that now exists between us and God. Think about this. What good is eternal life if we are forever at enmity with God? It's not just simply, uh, eternal life is not simply a quantity, but it's quality, harmonious with God. That's the first two words, mission, peace. But the third word is gift. Follow me here. Christmas is a well-planned, well-orchestrated gift to the children of God. There's nothing bad about this kind of gift, uh, a, a Christmas gift that you don't think a lot about, right? Uh, it, one that you just picked up. It might have been uh, cash you stuff into a card and give to someone. It might be a gift card, and there's nothing wrong with gift cards and cash. In fact, we like cash. But isn't it more meaningful to receive a gift that someone has planned for a while and given significant thought to? Isn't that the essence of a gift? 
knowing that someone is giving something to me because he or she put the time and effort to think about this, that it would make me happy by giving me this gift. I knew a person, a man who collected uh, pebbles, stones, and one year for Christmas, his daughter gave him a stone from every state in the United States. And that's the kind of gift that we think, well, what's, you know, what's the big deal about a stone? But, you know, that dad knew, this is important to me. I collect stones, and my daughter thought, you know, you don't just go out tomorrow and go, hey, where can I get a stone from every state? There's not like a stone from every state store down the road. You can't do that. You have to put some time, energy, and thought into it. Well, the plan of God to redeem a people for himself didn't just hatch on a drawing board when Adam and Eve fell from grace. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit did not look at one another in horror when Adam and Eve ate the fruit and go, what do we do? What's plan B? Something's gone wrong. Uh, no, y'all. didn't work that way. Listen again to the words of Jesus in verses 2 and 4 of our text today. Listen. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. There's a lot of given, gives in, the, in that text. We know he's talking about giving. And I'm not going to spend a long time today doing a full orb teaching on what this means but let me briefly say, and this is, this is important, that when we survey the Bible, we have to conclude that salvation is a coordinated agreement, a covenant, if you will, between all three persons of the Trinity before time that we know of ever existed. You understand what I just said? I'll, uh, I, I could say, raise your hand if you know what I just said and repeat it. Um, but what we have to do when we read through the Bible, we understand the, the doctrine of salvation, we will come to the conclusion that, that salvation is not something just hatched by the moment because man fell into sin. No. This was a plan of God before he ever even created this world. You say, what does that mean? Well, here's what specifically I would say. That the Father chooses for himself a people to be saved. And he sent the Son to die for them in particular. But, not only that, the Son joyfully obeys the Father's commission, becomes a man, and dies as a sacrifice to God. To God for the sin of an elect people. And the Holy Spirit applies God's salvation that's accomplished through Christ death. So you get that. So the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God revealed himself in three persons and each person is, is, is working to accomplish salvation. I want to read just uh, a little further in, in the chapter that we're in, chapter 17 of John. Begin in verse 6. I want you to listen to what specifically who Jesus is talking about, how he singles out a people. In verse 6, he says, I have manifested or I have revealed your name to the men whom you have given me out of this world. They were yours, you have kept them to me, and they have kept your words. So he's speaking here in particular of his apostles. Okay? Verse 7, Now they have known that all things which you have given me are from you. 
For I have given to them the words which you have given me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came forth from you, and they have believed that you sent me. Listen to what Jesus says. Verse 9, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All are mine, and all mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. You, you, you simply cannot read through your Bible and come to John 17 and read this and not have to put on brakes and stop for a while and just, and just be amazed at the depth of what Jesus is saying here in this prayer. We hear that Jesus here, he's affirming to his Father that there's a distinct group of people that the Father has given. Listen, the Father has given a distinct group of people to the Son. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the apostles. But then as you read on, you get down into verse 20. Listen to what he says in verse, drop down to verse 20. Jesus continues in this prayer and he says, I do not pray for these alone. In other words, I do not pray just for the apostles, but... Also, for those who will believe in me through their word. So what does that mean, preacher? Simply put, before God gave the Son to the elect, He gave the elect to the Son. Before God gave a people to the Son, He gave the elect. To, well, I, I reverse that. But before He gave Himself, before God gave Jesus to us, He gave us to Jesus. So the Father gives the elect to His Son, and may I say that this gift is every bit as significant as God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would perish, uh, whosoever would believe in Him would never perish but have eternal life. Do you understand that? Before God would give His Son to us, He gave us to His Son. I'm, I'm trying to... Can y'all read people's faces? Do people understand what, how, how significant that is? May I turn around here and look at y'all. I'm trying to get... <clears throat> y'all, the, the, you, ju- you just don't take this for granted. Before time ever was... God looks down and says, I am going to save a people. And God the Father, those people whom you, if you are in Christ, your name is one of those people. God the Father gave you as a gift to God the Son. And God the Son would come and live a righteous life on this earth and He would die on a cross. Listen, not just for people in general. He would die for you in particular. Why? Because God the Father had already given you to God the Son. That is like amazing to think about. Well, for time's sake, let's move on to the last word. The last word is glory. 
Last word is glory. So Jesus came on a mission. He came and accomplished peace between God and man. He gave His Son as a gift. But fourth, He does it all for God's glory. Back in verses 1 through 5, I want to read it again, and I want you to see the word glory jump out in these verses. Jesus spoke these words, lifted up His eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify Your Son, that Your Son also may glorify You, as You have given Him authority over all flesh, that He should give eternal life to as many as You have given Him. And this is eternal life, that they may know You, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom You have sent. I have glorified You on the earth I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Now listen to verse 5. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world ever was. Y'all, at Christmas we focus on where Jesus comes to, right? And we know the story. Jesus comes and he, and he humbles himself and he's, he's a little babe and he's placed in a manger and we make a big deal of that. We should make a big deal of that. He, he wasn't placed in a crib. He was placed in a, in a feeding trough for animals. There was, no, there was no great fanfare at his birth. He came to, to die. He came to live for poor people like you and, and like me. And we focus on that. We, we focus on where he came to. But I should say here that Jesus is reminding us in this prayer of where He came from. You see, Jesus, the Christ, is God infinite. He did not just come about in the manger. He has always existed. He always, he's always existed and He enjoyed whatever the pleasures of glory are in heaven. Our Lord enjoyed that with the Father and with the Holy Spirit. And here he's saying, Father, as the second person of the Trinity, I have come, I have accomplished the mission, I have made a way to establish peace between you and fallen man. I have worked to redeem a specific people, the people whom you have given to me, but all for your glory. All for your fame. Philippians chapter 2 reminds us where Jesus came from. Uh, Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who though he was, listen, listen to this. He was in the form of God. He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him 
the name that is above every name. Why? So that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. Listen, this will happen one day. Every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father that Jesus Christ is Lord. What's he saying there? He says that, that Jesus experienced and had all the glory that, that God has, and he did not consider this glory as something he had to hold on to as if somehow he could lose that. He didn't. He freely gives up this glory to come to this earth. He did not give up his deity. He did not take his godliness away and set it aside. He did not do that. But he took humanity and clothed it around deity. And how does that, the big fancy word for that, if you want to go study that, the theologians call it the hypostatic union. If you want to do some real digging, and go dig there. This, it's like this spiral down from glory to, to not just the low part, but to the very lowest part of the, the earth that He could come to. Why? For your sake and mine, so that He could identify with you and He could identify with me. But He did not stay there. He went to a cruel cross. He gave freely His life. He was buried in a tomb. Three days later, God spoke and raised Him from the grave. And when God the Father raises Jesus the Son from the grave, He is putting His stamp of approval on the work that Jesus has done. That the sacrifice is sufficient. Your blood matters. It counts. It worked. So that whoever calls on the name of this Lord, not any Lord, but this Lord, will be saved. Jesus was God, is God, Forever will be God. But whatever it means to be worshipped perfectly in heaven, Jesus left that there. And here in this text, He is longing to be back where He came from. So let me just summarize today. Two points. One, Christmas in a sense has been hijacked by the world. We know that. I'm not trying to be an old fuddy-duddy and suggest we shouldn't sing the world's Christmas songs. We shouldn't do the glitter and the glamour and enjoy parties and all those kind of things. We should. Those things are fun. That's absolutely true. But listen, when we hear Johnny Mathis singing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. We should understand that the most wonderful time of the year that the world sings about is different than the one we sing about. Second, the gift of eternal life is just that. It's a gift and one that has to be cherished. By definition, a gift is something that someone gives to you that's not earned or deserved. How would you like it? If, for instance, I'll just pick on somebody. I won't, I won't embarrass you. Billy Ray. How would you like it if, man, you know, last, like last December 26th, day after Christmas, you get, this, you get this thought in your mind that you are going to get Marilyn the absolute best gift in the world? What would that be? Like for you, the best gift, what would it be? Well, it's got these holy people. It's got a, okay, I know you don't think about it, but just pretend like, let's just pretend like that he was going to get you like something, a really nice, a car. What kind of car? 
a real good car. What? Explore. Can't you do better than an explore? <coughs> okay, but for, for, for sake of Maryland, you know, she didn't want to, you know, get some big fancy car. She just wants an explorer. <coughs> but Billy Ray, okay, he, he saves up. And, I mean, he, he, man, he works at the dump like triple overtime, like all year long. And then he could go buy a tire, right? Uh, no, so he works, he works, he saves, he saves, and he, and he just works real hard. And, and like December 22nd of, of the next year, you go and, and you just, off the lot, you just pay for a Ford Explorer, a 2024 model. 2025, they're probably already out, aren't they? I don't know. And, and then you sneak, like Christmas Eve, you drive into your driveway, and you sneak, you get out of your car, you put that big red, you like red? Red bow on there, you sure? You like what? Burg. The burgundy type. What color would the Explorer be, by the way? Yeah, yours. Champagne. Oh, now we're getting a little fancy. Okay, so shh. So, so a champagne. So you walk out, and on Christmas morning, in your driveway is a champagne-colored Ford Explorer, brand new edition with a not a red, a burgundy bow on it. There's a license plate on the front, is it, like just for you. I don't know what it would say, but just for you. What's he call you, like sweet, like baby? He doesn't call you. Anything. But you walk out there, you walk out on Christmas morning, and you look and you see the champagne-colored Ford Explorer with the burgundy uh, bow on there, and you, you, you know, you, you're just all excited, but then you run back into the house. You run back into your bedroom. You dig into your personal safe, and you pull out $50,000 that you've been tucking away for some reason, and you take it and you give it to Billy Ray. It's, you understand? You, you, you see what's happened? What's happened? It's not a gift. Man, this sermon has gone sideways. A minivan. Okay. Did she... But, but okay, let's, let me pick on somebody else that's going to play along with it. <laughs> but you get the point, right? I mean, you've worked hard. You've, you've thought about it. You, you've put sweat equity in, into that gift. And you go give it to your spouse. And on Christmas morning, your spouse opens that gift or, or whatever it might be. And he or she goes, oh, yeah, this is nice. And runs back there and brings money back to you because he or she thinks that they have to pay you for it. It's no longer a gift. Do we understand the gift of Christmas? The Bible teaches that Jesus died, listen, for specific sins of specific people. That's key. That's crucial that you comprehend this, church. He dies not as a potential Savior, but as an actual Savior. He doesn't simply die for sins in general. He dies for your sins and my sins specifically. So how does this affect us? 
How should this affect me when I walk out of this worship service today knowing this? Well, when I realize that he didn't just die for sin in general, but he died, listen, he died for my laziness in particular. He died for my jealousy in particular. He died for the times that I've been unfaithful to my friends in particular. He died for the the times I've been so angry fly off the handle angry that I could spit in particular and for specific sins that I committed 20 years ago or I committed yesterday or God forbid, but he even knows that I will commit tomorrow. That Jesus died for those specific sins. Then listen, y'all. I know that his love for me is genuine and it's not potential and that his love didn't hinge on me loving him first. But he came to me. As a gift. So we often say that when we, when we get, y'all ever got like a not so good gift for Christmas? Before there was ever this thing called re-gifting, there was the idea that, well, it's the thought that counts. It's the thought that counts. But y'all, when we look deep into God's character, we understand That he is all about giving. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. Listen, Jesus would say, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He gives. Listen, perhaps he would even, we would even be reminded where Jesus says this. All that the father, listen, all that the father gives to me, there's that gift, the Father to the Son, all that the Father gives to me, listen, will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never, ever cast out. So Christmas, y'all, is about giving, and it is about God giving His Son as a babe in the manger. But do you understand the the, the full-orbed beauty of God and, and, and His heart of giving? The Father gives the elect to His Son. He gives His Son to us. The Son gives His life for us all so we might know God. The Holy Spirit gives or He applies the benefits of Christ to us. So, y'all... This Christmas, have fun exchanging gifts and rejoicing knowing that God has given us His Son as a gift. But God has given you in particular if you are in Christ. He gave you first to His Son. That's an amazing Christmas thought. Well, let's pray. Lord Almighty, just be glorified this day. As we conclude this worship service by singing, God, may we sing from our hearts and with our minds. God, may we open our mouths knowing that we are singing praise to you. We ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen.